Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. Fasting from normal service that we're here today gathered to worship you, to hear your word, to celebrate your sacraments. And Lord, we just ask that as we take a look at your word today, that you would speak through it to us, that you would allow everyone here to take that home, which he or she is going to take home because you would like to speak to them today. We ask, Lord, that you would just allow allow your word to cut into our heart in an uplifting way. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know about you, but I am excited. I'm excited that we're finally starting to put this whole COVID thing behind us. As more and more people are getting vaccinated, our society is finally getting back to some sense of normal again. And for me, this could not come sooner. What was the COVID era like for you? How did you experience this past year? Maybe you reveled in the chance to take a break from normal obligations. Maybe you are an introvert and soaked up an era where an introverted lifestyle finally got to shape our society for a change. But I must say that I personally believe this past year has been a tough one, and maybe one of the toughest ones we will experience in our lifetime. Of course, there is the suffering caused by the coronavirus itself. Though some have experienced no or mild symptoms, others have lost their sense of smell and taste, not only for a short while, but continue to wait for their normal senses to return. Believe it or not, we have people at this church who still can't taste and smell normally. For others, COVID has had a severe impact on their lung function. And of course, others have lost loved ones to this disease. But the suffering of this last year has not been limited to the impacts of the disease itself. Rather, there were other consequences of social distancing. For many, being isolated led to an increase in alcohol or drug use. I know people myself who have struggled with this. At the beginning, it was just natural. If I'm sitting at home anyway, why don't I just take another glass of wine or drink a margarita? But in the long run, they found themselves at a point that they had not anticipated. How many grandparents were cut off from their families due to social distancing? And fear, of isolate, and fear of infection? How many marriages broke up because being isolated at home led, to fa- led them to face things which proved insurmountable? What a challenge to have kids locked up at home all day long. And as hard as it has been for some couples and families, I've also heard from some of my single friends what a challenge this year has been for them living alone. How weird it was to try and meet with new people, get to know new people, and even date in a time of social distancing? How many people have sunk into the depths of depression and had no one to help pull them out? And that doesn't even factor in the normal trials of everyday life. When we had less time for commu- to, with community to share with our suffering. The fact is that isolation both exacerbates already present suffering as well as causes suffering itself. So now as we get together, I'm excited to experience increased community with you. 
I don't know how you experienced the last year, but regardless, let us leave the isolation behind us. Let's also let this be a chance to maybe even experience a new normal, to learn from the lessons of this past year. And if you have suffered or if you are suffering, let us be a community that shares in this with you. Today, I would like to look at our gospel reading from Mark chapter 5, because I believe it has a number of things to say with us on this topic of suffering and what it means to be a community. There are three things I would like for us to take from this text this morning. First thing, a community for suffering together. Second, a community for healing faith. And third, a community for resurrection hope. Our first point, a community for suffering together. When we look at our gospel reading today from Mark chapter 5, we find two stories which are sandwiched together, both because they happen in a way that is intertwined, but also because the text itself has certain interesting details which show these two things are not only linked chronologically, but also internally tied together. Jesus is not only doing something in the lives of these people, but Mark is showing us that he is doing something in our lives through the link between these two stories. You see, in Mark's gospel, Jesus is introducing a new kingdom, the kingdom of God to the world. And so in this story of intertwined healings, we have two female sufferers, one a girl of 12 years of age, and one a woman who has been sick for 12 years. This number 12 is not a coincidence. Jesus is doing something here. In Israel, there were 12 tribes. Jesus inaugurates his kingdom with 12 apostles. And his kingdom that he is uniting has two types of people under his healing reign. The one, Jairus, the head of a Jewish synagogue, together with his 12-year-old daughter. And the other, an ostracized and unclean woman who has been excluded from her Jewish community for 12 years. Normally, these two would have nothing to do with each other. But in Jesus Christ, these people coming from two very different groups have been united in their suffering because it is in Christ that they find the one who welcomes them and is in Christ that they are able to find healing. So what does this mean for us? We are called to be a community which suffers together. I must admit that I personally can relate more to the story of Jairus than to the story of a bleeding woman, and not just because I've never had a period. I do not and may never know what it is like to have lost everything and live in a state of utter desperation. I would venture to say that many of us in this room will never completely understand the way this woman feels. Her life has been utterly ruined, and she has no one to help her with it. Not only is she suffering under the weight of her physical incurable ailment, but through the societal norms of her time, she has been subject to a form of permanent exclusion and isolation that would be unbearable. However, with Jairus' story, I can relate quite well. A well-off person who has influence, resources, and most everything he needs to get through what he is dealing with. Like Jairus, I've had family members get sick, and I've had close friends and family pass away. I know that there are people in this church dealing with personal suffering right now. I myself just found out that my mother has breast cancer. This has been challenging news, and I would love it if you could keep her and my family in your prayers. I'm very thankful for the fact that my parents have good health insurance and that this will not ruin them financially. 
However, I know there are also people in this church who can relate much more to the, much more to the story of a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years, who through a disability or a disease themselves or within their family have faced some kind of social exclusion or significant suffering, or who have lost everything, and if it were not for this community, would be facing the kind of isolation and financial ruin that this woman has faced. And the fact is that there are many more in this city who are suffering and isolated, whether like Jairus or like the bleeding woman. Isolation both exacerbates suffering and causes suffering. But how beautiful is it that in the body of Christ, through our Lord Jesus, we are united in our suffering. We are not alone. We do not have to handle what we are facing on our own. But instead, regardless of race, class, or social status, physical or financial abilities, Church of the Redeemer is a community for those who are suffering. St. Augustine once referred to the church as a hospital for sinners. I really like this image for many reasons. I think it can serve as a helpful corrective for various problems in the church. As it pertains to our topic today, I think this image is helpful because it communicates the equality of suffering. While not all of us can afford our hospital bills, generally the hospital is a place where all will have to go to get healed. Unlike a country club or a social club of some kind, all kinds of people, regardless of race, class, or social status, end up at the hospital. And you don't choose who ends up at the hospital with you. But instead, we all get sick and we all need medical attention. So even if you have little in common outside of the hospital, you immediately are linked in your suffering. Let it be so for Redeemer. We are no country club, but we are instead our hospital for the suffering. Because in Christ, we are a community who suffers together. Now our second point, a community for healing faith. In Christ, we are not only unified in solidarity, we have not only found a place to be comforted, comforted in our suffering, we have found the savior of the world, the ultimate doctor, the one who heals our souls. Jesus, the savior who suffered, heals us from our suffering in our very souls through faith in him, the one we have been searching for, but have not found in anything else. When Jairus went and kneeled before Jesus, he actually did not quite yet know what he was getting himself into. He may have known that Jesus was a powerful healer, but the story reveals that only in time did he actually discover what was going on. Jairus' story is shaped by an underlying urgency. Come, Jesus, now, if we are quick, you may be able to save my daughter. When Jesus' path gets interrupted by the bleeding woman, if you really meditate on this text, you can feel the anguish he must have been experiencing. But Jesus, you said you would heal my daughter. Come quick or she will die. And then when the news comes that she has died, you can feel the deep feelings of disappointment and distress he must have been feeling. On the one hand, frustration. Jesus, why did you get my hopes up? If you weren't going to hustle to come heal my daughter, you should have just said so. On the other hand, deep sadness. My little girl is dead. But Jesus tells him to have faith in him and trust in him. And in that moment, he had to be thinking, what in the world is this guy talking about? 
But quickly, as they moved on, he would have felt something greater is happening here than I expected, than I anticipated. And at that moment, Jesus raises his daughter from the dead. Jairus and his family have discovered that Jesus is more than just a miracle worker. He is God's son. He is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And his life would never and could never be the same. When the bleeding woman touched Jesus, she did not quite yet know what she was getting into. She had tried everything. She had spent all her money on various doctors that might heal her. Nothing worked. But in her desperation, this might be her chance. A traveling miracle worker. Will he do what no one else could? So when she touches Jesus, she is amazed. Finally, I am healed. But this feeling is quickly mixed with fear. Because she assumes that Jesus, as a traveling Jewish teacher who was able to perform miracles, could nonetheless have also fallen victim to the prejudice of his day. As Jesus turned around to see who touched him, she thinks, will he be disgusted by the sight of a woman as ruined as me? Will he be angry because according to the theology of our day, he is made unclean by my unclean touch? So the woman trembles in fear, not knowing what will come at her. But what happened would not only encourage her, but it would also surprise her. Not only was Jesus not disgusted, but he embraced and celebrated her in front of the crowd. The woman who had been an outcast in her suffering was now held up as an example of the faith. But like Jairus, she was also corrected in her understanding. It was not her touch that healed her, though this may have been the means. It was her faith. What is Jesus saying to her? In this moment, she discovered what Jesus or what Jairus had discovered as well. This man, Jesus, is more than a teacher who can perform miracles. This is the savior of the world. It is not magic he is performing. He is doing something much more. He is ushering in a new kingdom where both Jairus and the bleeding woman are part of something new by faith and trust in this person, Jesus, who is God's son, the savior of the world. So all of us, like Jairus and the bleeding woman, are looking for something, that one thing that will heal our suffering. Whether internal or external, our souls are all longing for something to give us the healing that we need. And so whether people or things, we are all looking for that one person or that one thing that will finally give us the relief that we are looking for. But in Jesus, we encounter something more. When Jesus calls us to have faith in him, he is not saying, let me just be a healing moment in an otherwise occupied life. He is calling us to give our lives to him, the one who will make us whole. When Jairus and the bleeding woman come to him to find a miracle man, they find a savior and a Lord. And so Jairus will not be able to return to his normal life. His life is transformed by what he sees, a man who not only heals but has power over life and death. He will not be able to just go back to the way it was before. And the same for the bleeding woman, how thankful she is when in Jesus she finds not just healing, but a new life. Going forward, her life will find meaning and purpose again. I think that we often come to Jesus to be our miracle man. 
We come to him in our hour of need and are thankful for what he gives us. But how easy it is to return to our normal life as it was before. We see Jesus as a complement to our already fulfilled lives, put on pause by an upsetting moment. But the gospel, the good news of relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, Son of God, is not a complement to your already nice life. It demands your life. It gives you new life. It is faith and trust in a person who will transform your life, both your good and your bad, your joy and your suffering, into the life you have been looking for all along in other things which could not fulfill you. So we are a community not of occasional spiritual experiences, but instead a community of healing faith where trust in the Lord Jesus Christ transforms and reshapes your life and you can find the healing you have always been looking for. And finally, third, a community of resurrection hope. When the news comes of Jairus' daughter having died, as far as everyone is concerned, even those who believe in Jesus' abilities to heal, it's over. Your daughter has died. Don't bother the teacher any longer. Is there something that you haven't bothered Jesus with? because you weren't confident that he could do anything about it. But alas, it is not over for Jairus' daughter, for Jesus is not only a prophet who can heal, but the Lord over life and death. When, Jai- when Jesus raises Jairus' little girl from the dead, two things happen in the Gospel of Mark. One, it anticipates Jesus' own resurrection, which is coming soon in his ministry. But it also anticipates that day when we will all rise from the dead. For when Jesus says to Jairus' daughter, Talitha kum, little girl arise, we see a glimpse of what one day we will experience when we have put our faith in him. As I said before, the gospel of Mark is all about Jesus introducing the kingdom of God to our fallen world. Jesus does not go around and heal all people who are sick. He does not raise all from the dead. But what he does is show us who he is and reveal his kingdom, a kingdom which we are called to show to the world around us as a community of resurrection hope. The way that Jesus announces and brings his kingdom to be is different than you would think. He doesn't just snap his fingers and enter in a new age, but instead he calls us to a task to be the community of resurrection hope that anticipates and announces this coming kingdom to the world around us. Today, Jesus continues to heal internally and externally. Through faith in him, we find the very things our soul are longing for and are healed and given new life. But even today, Jesus continues at times to show his power through us. Here at Redeemer, there have been people both from our church and people who have been touched by our church who have experienced prayers for healing answered and had miraculous experiences. Through the Holy Spirit, God continues to work through us today. And yet we also continue to be a community where suffering is experienced and continues to be experienced. But we are also a community where suffering is transformed. We're lifting up our cross and following Jesus gives new meaning to our experiences because of our resurrection hope. So now as we come back together after a year of COVID, one of the toughest years that we will experience, let us be aware of suffering. 
If you are suffering, do not suffer alone. We want to be a community that shares in your struggle and a place where we can experience healing faith and resurrection hope together. So now practically, here are some of the ways that Redeemer lives out this vision of a community that suffers together. First, our prayer team. We have a great prayer team at the Church of the Redeemer who regularly pray before and during the service as well as throughout the week for the needs at Redeemer. If you need prayer for a specific topic, please reach out to prayer at redeemergso.org. Also during communion, we will have prayer stations where our prayer team would love to pray over you. Second, our meal trains. We regularly have meal trains for people who are in need at Redeemer, whether they just had a baby or recovering from surgery or otherwise are in need of some form of support. I myself benefited from this recently when Abby and I had our daughter Thea in April. Maybe this is a great place for you to serve people in need at Redeemer. Third, our free farmer's market coming up in the fall. What a great way to reach out to our community, serve those in need, and show that we are the kind of community where people are in this city who are struggling are welcome. Sign up if you are able. Fourth, if you are wanting pastoral care and would like to meet with one of our pastors, we would love to care for you specifically. Reach out to Father Ben at benjamin at ngpabby.org, and he will make sure that you get the shepherding that you need. And finally, fifth, from our various options for community. We can share in each other's struggles if we know each other and share life together. This happens in life groups, growth series classes, triads, and service teams, where we live out the body of Christ in these various groups. If you are struggling to find your place in this community, feel free to reach out to me after the service or by emailing me at jared at redeemergso.org. I would love to help you get connected. And at the same time, let us all be aware that people are suffering and struggling around us. Maybe you are suffering. Your suffering is welcome here. Like the bleeding woman, you are not a distraction or a burden, but instead a vital part of our community. Here in this church, people are struggling with some real stuff. Let us seek to serve each other and walk together through the joys and sorrows of this life. But also let us be aware that there are many more in this city who are dealing with their own suffering and be a community that shows the kingdom of God and welcomes those around us. And so we are called to be a home for the suffering, a place for healing faith, and a community of resurrection hope. We are shaped by hope and confidence in the coming world, where one day Jesus will say to all of those who believe in him, Talitha Kun, arise to new life, in a world where suffering will end and where there will be no more tears. Let us live out this vision of community here at Church of the Redeemer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.